True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And today we have a special guest with us today from Channel 8 local here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area news. It's WFAA. We have Rebecca Lopez joining us. And Rebecca covered the Missy Beavers case early on, so we're really excited to get her insight today. Can't wait to uh, hear the... <laughs> Can't wait to hear something. <laughs> Can't Sorry. wait to hear something. Thank you for joining us on True Crime Broads. Okay. Welcome back to True Crime Broads. We are here with Rebecca Lopez from Channel 8 Local WFAA News. Hey, Rebecca, Hi. thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for and having me on. Thank you. It means I know that you and Renee have already done a bit together in the past. Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah, yeah that, that was a couple that's, that's years been a ago. Couple years. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I remember um, you telling us a story about how you had found out about the Missy Beavers case, and I thought we would have you on to tell that story. Yes. Yeah, so I am the um, crime and justice reporter uh, here at WFAA. So I often have done a lot of stories involving police and. Uh, I had done a story on a woman a few years before whose son had been killed in a uh, police chase there. And in front of the church where the crime happened, she happened to have a memorial for her son. And so she would often go visit that memorial for her son because that's the spot where he was uh, killed. And uh, she called and said, hey, I was just over uh, visiting my son's memorial and there's police activity at the church. And I went over there to see what was happening. And they, they're they saying that there's a, a woman or a body inside the church. Uh, and they think it's a homicide. And that was early in the morning. I can't remember exactly. It was it had to have been around 8, 830 that, that I got that call. So I, I drove out there. I drove out to uh, Midlothian. And I was the only reporter there for hours uh, as they were going in and out, we still didn't have any details. Uh, at one point, the family uh, came out there and we were trying to talk to them. I think later in the day, they did make a couple of statements. But that's honestly how, how I found out that something had happened inside that church. Wow, that's amazing. So you were right there. You were the first reporter on the scene. Um, I was. Was it pretty chaotic? You said you were there for hours. Was information coming in that made sense, or was it kind of chaotic and hard to understand at first? It was, well, they were very, um, you know, obviously, you know, whenever you get to a crime scene, typically the police anywhere don't really talk about what's happening. And at that point, they were still processing the scene, and there was there weren't a lot of people out there. I mean, there were police officers, but we were like kept off on the side of the road. So I could see some of what was happening. But at that point, we couldn't see where the break-in had happened. We couldn't get to the window. We could only see some police activity. And then um, then later on, they they did the um, press conference and released that that video that is now so uh, infamous now. You know, that's like that. That's like... Uh, uh, phone going off but yes so then they they released that video that was you know now so it's been out there in the public right the crazy the, the crazy yeah, surveillance the crazy. video of that yeah. horrible perpetrator walking around before he he killed missy apparently or she um yeah yeah that depends on you know who you ask that's always been a a point of um 
contention with people, whether or not it's a, a man or a woman. I mean, it was interesting because early on we had some video of a, uh, a person that we thought might be a person of interest. And, um, we gave some of that video to uh, Lothian, and I do believe that they looked at the person, but it never, I don't think they were able ever able to link uh, the person, but it was that the way the person was walking, and they happened to have also been at the uh, at the service. Yeah, um, I know who you're talking day. about. He mm-hmm. was kind of, I've seen that video, he was kind of sauntering around a lot like the mm-hmm. perpetrator in the church, and he was mm-hmm. working security at her memorial, yes. which was another red flag, of course. Um, yeah, you and, know, our understanding is he's not, he's no longer being looked at. Yeah, so that's correct. You know, and it was interesting because my, the photographer that shot the video called me immediately like this video looks so interesting and you might want to take a look. And so we turned it over just like everybody else turned over to him. So yeah, my understanding is it didn't go anywhere, but it was, it was just such a, um, bizarre story like i i've covered many 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 crimes uh and many homicides uh, countless in my 35 years as a police uh reporter 25 in the dfw area and i've I've never seen anything like that like for me um as a police reporter typically when people break in to burglarize they're not there to stick around and they're certainly not dressed in weird clothing like SWAT like gear. I mean they go in, they grab whatever they're gonna leave grab and then they leave. Mm-hmm. It, they don't they don't stick around for like I've never heard of another case even I mean I've I've heard now similar ones, but not somebody that is dressed in fatigues and going into a a, a church and spending time in there or or anywhere. It's just not typically done. Right. And so that's why I I to this day still feel like the person knew her. Yes. Right. We that agree. Targeted, yeah. That would just be we too do. weird if that person was just dancing yeah. around there all that time for no reason. And churches don't typically keep a lot of money uh, at the, at the church, you know, so it, it's not like they were there to see if they could get into the coffers or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, because typically churches don't keep their money uh, around like that. Right. Uh, you know, and I know my, like even the church that I go to, they they take the money and then they, you know, go put it in a, a secure location or, they, or immediately make, you know, deposits. And so it was just kind of weird to me that there was somebody just walking around uh, in that church for so long uh, and really not much was taken. We I agree. Think, I don't think anything was taken. But yeah, took anything. nothing. And we nothing. agree with you. It does look like someone just sort of waiting for someone, just killing time. Or just kind of killing time and trying to make it look like a burglary or whatever. You know, like they're attempting to do things, but you can tell they're not really... I mean, I, yeah. I could have put better effort into that when they were trying to get in that one door. <laughs> and they're hiding the identity. And it's right. almost like they kind of knew what, because remember, the cameras weren't working uh, in certain parts or outside the church where they couldn't even get like how the person got in there, what kind of vehicle. I do remember early on, there was a vehicle that they were looking at that had been parked down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spent a lot of time looking into that ourselves and going through all our footage that we had. And we really couldn't, you know, come to any conclusion either. Was that right. the, was that the Nissan Altima? The white, it was a white, I think it was a white car. That was at or, the SWFA parking yeah, lot? Okay. Yeah, okay. Nissan Altima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. actually recorded a, an episode not long ago with um, some people that believe they know who the Altima belongs to, so. Mm, that's very interesting. And I know that it's, 
I've obviously interviewed the uh, police chief down there a couple of times. I interviewed him as part of our and our part of our anniversary special that we did on that. Um, and you know, they obviously really, really want to you know catch who did this. And I, I feel like you know he does a he's been there for a long time, and I, and I feel like he doesn't want to retire until he does that. Until, yeah. Until this crime is solved. And I will say this: I mean, a lot of times what happens in um, homicides, especially something that's so high profile, is there are so many tips. And so it bogs down the investigation, even though it's great mm-hmm. that people are calling in, but then you get all these other, you know, crazy uh, tips <laughs> all the, all that the you kooks, have to yeah. lie. Yeah, <laughs> that you've got to go and make, and that takes FBI agents and all the people that were down there. And it, it just, it just wastes a lot of time. And then who knows? I mean, we, I've heard many cases in the past where the person's right there it's they're in their files, but mm-hmm. because they're going through so many files and cases, it, Leads, it yeah. could be buried there. They probably have already, I think they've probably already talked to the person that did it. Oh, yeah. They just have not been able to, you know, prove it at this point. Right. Yeah, we, we think that too. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It is. It is. It's such a a crazy case, and I I don't ever want to forget it. I do remember the anniversary every year because I think that it's important to her family and friends that this is solved. It's just so frustrating because there's there's no DNA evidence. There's no physical evidence that was left behind. I mean, the person covered their tracks. They're disguised. I mean, short of somebody, short of that person telling someone. I feel it's gonna it's still it's gonna be a very difficult case to solve. Yeah, it seemed like they knew what they were doing, just you know, as far as not leaving traces behind. And that's just really unfortunate. We did see a, a press release years ago by Kevin Johnson. Of course, he's no longer with mm-hmm. MPD. Yeah, I'm sure gone. I'm sure you know him. But he yes. had, he had said in an article once that they did have some DNA, but it was partial and mixed. So mm. I'm wondering if maybe hopefully someday the you know, that DNA technology always improves and you hear about cases getting solved. Hopefully that'll happen in this case. Gosh, it's been almost seven years. So maybe, maybe we're not, maybe we're not far from an improvement that would allow that DNA to be useful. I don't know. Well, yeah, you know, there's another case like that where they have a very, very minute uh, sample and that's the Amber uh, Hagerman case, the Amber Alert uh, Mm -hmm, little girl mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. they have a very, small trace of her DNA of DNA. But if you, the the sample is so small that uh, if you use it now and you don't get anything, then it's gone. So I think that, so it's just so minute. So they have to wait until the, um, the DNA gets or technology gets better. And that's what they're hoping that there's more Mm -hmm. improvement. So that something like that, you know, is a for sure thing, but you know, sometimes you only have a little bit and you, you only do you a one, that one sample, yeah. it's gone, you wow. know, so looks like that, they would take, looks like they would take that opportunity to upload it or I would say upload it, but put it in one of those databases like the ancestry or something. So that way it would, something would pop up eventually to match to it. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem though. I think that if you, you can't even put the sand because if you use the sample to upload it or mm-hmm. use it in any kind of it. testing it's, gone. it's it and yeah. it's gone yeah. so they have to just wait for that technology to get better and that might be the case in 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 the missy uh, beavers case as right. well right. you know and of course you know we went down all kinds of different paths of you know the, over the years i've gone back and forth on and i'm not going to get my opinion on who i i think it is but i um 
but you know, I've, I've had my own theories over the years. Why, why do you think that Midlothian police does not do updates um, anymore? It seems like they haven't given a statement in years now. Yeah. And I think that probably that's just the fault of the media. Um, and we, a lot of times everybody moves on to other cases and other stories and there's something else happens. And, and honestly, it really takes diligence on the part of us to continue to ask questions and, I mean, it, when I asked them for an interview, they were more than happy to sit down and talk to us about the, their their latest findings. And that was when we did the interview with you um, a couple of years ago. Uh, but if I call up there, they are uh, very uh, open to answering my questions. So I, I just think it's just a matter of us at, in the media going back and asking them those questions. I don't think it's anything that they don't, that they didn't want to hide or anything like that. Oh, okay. That's good to hear. Yeah. Cause I know yeah. the public, yeah. especially people in the immediate area, I don't live down there anymore, but Renee does. And I know that people live right there in Midlothian are a little concerned about their own personal safety. I mean, if you really think about this, there's a homicidal maniac on the loose, you know, and that bothers some people more than others. Um, I think a lot of people have moved on, but I know personal friends who, you know, they'll say when they're taking their trash cans out at night, they yeah. run back to their house because they get this creepy feeling that, you know, there's that type of a person still running around. It's oh, yeah. Really I mean, anytime you have something like that unsolved, it de definitely makes you, you know, wonder um, if the person would do it again. But I, I feel like, again, that this was I feel like it was targeted. Mm -hmm. And the more that I've talked over the years to people that were close to the investigation, I feel like they also think it was targeted. So I don't really think that there is a danger to the people in Midlothian. I, 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 th I feel strongly that um, authorities think that, that she was in fact targeted. So right. And it was personal. It was that not makes random. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes well, sense. and then, you know, just uh, like the way they covered their tracks and everything again, a person who is just there to steal money is not going to do that. They're just going to take whatever and leave. I mean, that's very typical. I know that they did look at a couple of other cases of church break-ins. I think it, there was one even here in Dallas, because I remember doing a story on that and they went back and they looked to see if there were any similarities. Um, and they really couldn't find anything that linked any other crimes to this one. I remember watching one in particular that I found online um, where a guy was had broken into a church and he had uh, I think he just had like a hoodie on and he's mm -hmm. just walking around and you can clearly see his face and he's, mm -hmm. you can tell that he's literally digging for something like he's looking for valuables yeah. or money or whatever. So it was completely different. So I agree with you mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, the way, the fact that they went into different rooms and then opened the cabinets and uh, just, it just d didn't make sense right. uh, uh, that somebody would be up at that hour of the morning um, dressed like that, going in and walking around and then taking nothing. And the, the whole thing to me just, you know, it, does, it just didn't make sense for it to be a random uh, right. crime. You right. know, you know, what's interesting is early on Midlothian police, very early on, I mean, like 2016, they were releasing the search warrants pretty much in real time to the media. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I noticed that we we pull the public records from time to time and we noticed that the last several search warrants they have not publicized. Um, does WFA, do you guys when you're doing a case, are you pulling public records? Or are you just kind of taking the ones that the police give you? No, we we get our own public records because the thing um so a court document, when it comes to search warrants or arrest affidavits, you can arrest affidavit if you arrest somebody in uh, and and uh, put them in jail. 
uh, that affidavit, you don't even have to file an open record. It is an, it's a court record. So it should be immediately returned back to the judge or the clerk, uh, in the jurisdiction where not the police department, it goes back to the judge that signed it. And then it goes into the, um, criminal clerk's office. And so we go and we get them immediately. They cannot withhold them. You don't have to file an open record. If they tell you, you do, then they need to read the state law. Same thing with search warrants. Now with search warrants, the, the warrant itself that where there's the, the request is a public record and then the return of the search warrant, whatever they found uh, in the house or the building or the car or whatever they were searching, the cell phone, whatever they were searching, that also is an immediate uh, release. It's a court document that has to be released immediately. But the affidavit that says why they were looking for it, that details all of that, that does not necessarily have to be released. They can seal that portion according to state law, but they have to at least give you the front page of the warrant and whatever they took from uh, whatever they found, uh, the inventory, that that has to be released always. And and I mean, you can just go up to the courthouse and, and get it. If they tell you no, then you show them the state law, uh, which is you know part of the court of criminal procedure that they have to release yeah they've been pretty uh, good about that they usually yeah. email they usually email that yeah. stuff to us pretty quickly yeah. so yeah they've been really nice about that over at mpd and the records department um, um yeah i didn't realize if there'd been any warrants recently i haven't you know that's uh, a it's been a couple of years yeah it's been about into. it's been about two years yeah well two and i know years. that they uh traveled out of the uh when i did my last interview with them they did tell me that they had traveled out of state and had traveled to several states uh, interviewing people and looking for uh, potential suspects. So I know that, the, and, you know, of course, then some of the witnesses have moved and, um, and so sometimes they have to go back and re-interview those people. I mean, I think it's, I feel like this case will be solved someday. I, 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 do, I just, I do. I just don't know how long it's going to be, but I right. do think I do that too. it will be. I think it will be solved. Yeah, so do we. Um, do you think that the FBI is still actively investigating this case? I don't think so. I think that uh, they came in and usually what those the FBI does is they uh, they come in with, especially with small or, um, police departments or sheriff's departments that don't have the manpower for this size of case. They'll come in and they help and they pull out. Uh, and so I, I don't believe that they're actively involved anymore. Okay, strictly now back in the yeah so you think it's pretty much mpd by themselves these days okay gotcha yes yeah i think i think they have that and the case got turned over to a new detective a couple years ago um i believe and that detective you know sometimes it's good to put fresh eyes Mm -hmm. on it Mm -hmm. because maybe somebody missed them how many podcasts have we listened to over the years where uh someone says you know we just put a new detective and they went back through the files and then they found that one little right yes little nugget yeah little nugget that helped them solve this case yeah so that's um but i continue every time that we put um put the story out we also get people that call in and some of them are just (laughs) (laughs) we get those too yeah (laughs) Yeah. we almost had to get a restraining order on this one person one time that was like just uh, that's so sad but i'm not so i'm not terribly surprised no and it you know and i know that they you know the that that just takes away a lot from what the officers are trying to do because then they have to deal with these, you know, distractions right. that have nothing to do with the evidence or 
them trying to, you know, catch the killer. Yeah. And we'll get, Um, and and it's a waste of time too for them when someone calls up and says, Hey, I've, I was in North Carolina recently and I saw someone walking down the street just exactly like that. So there's your killer. I mean, the odds of that being the killer are slim to none. There's so many people that walk that way. I know what the police are hoping people will call in actual, actual links, actual evidence, but people end up speculating like that. And I'm sure that's not what they're looking for. I think in their last statement, they did make a, um, uh, a, a there was a sentence where they said uh, that the person may not walk like that any longer. It may mm. have been due to a temporary condition or mm. what they were wearing, which kind of what I think the boots were too big type thing. Mm. So. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Their gait may not even be like that in daily yeah. life. That's true. Because I think they were probably tired of getting those same continuous calls about, oh, my brother's cousin's neighbor, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think it's um, important to note that, I mean, Midlothian PD and the FBI and all those that were working initially on this case did go through really great lengths to make sure that they got as much information as they could. I mean, remember they brought in the people that took a look at measuring the height and mm-hmm. how they thought how tall the person might be and how big the person might be and that, that kind of thing. And so, I thought that that was, uh, you know, really important. And then, of course, you know, they zoomed in on the clothing because it really wasn't, I don't believe, real SWAT gear. It was something that was made to look like, you know. Um, but I even had people calling me saying, well, the way they tucked the, the pants into the leg seemed like they knew some somebody with military background because that's what military people and police do. They tuck their, uh, some of them tuck their their um their pant leg into the mm-hmm. boot so right. I mean, we even had people like you know calling us and you know with stuff like that <laughs> but uh yeah you know so uh, police obviously have to check all that out but they did go to great lengths to try to get as much information as they could from that video as well as you know from the crime scene so, and I remember early uh, early on, they sent the video of the perpetrator walking around that surveillance video to Tarrant County. The DA's office mm-hmm, apparently had just mm-hmm. opened some new state of the art um, mm-hmm. facility there, and um, it would be fascinating to see the report that they came up with. But of course, that's not public. We we tried to get it, and we they declined. So yeah, yeah. Well, some stuff you know, obviously they do have to you know mm-hmm. keep, uh, and that's frustrating. I think for all of us because. They do. Have, I, I know that there are stuff that they have withheld uh, from that scene that only the killer would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it it won't be released ever until it until it goes to trial, because then you hurt your case of actually catching the killer um, based on if you release all your evidence. So I do understand the uh, importance of some of that you know, privacy. Now, also, you know, Absolutely. a lot of these cases, somebody talks like. Yes, that person would have said something to and until the person that they confided in or talked to comes forward. Oftentimes I have seen cases that way where they finally somebody they have a falling out or something happens or they have a conscience and eventually they'll come forward or maybe they didn't think it was important. The conversation that they had. But I do remember I think the FBI also did a uh, profile they brought the uh, people from Quantico to do a, a profile of who they thought this person might be. 
don't remember all the details of what that was, but they did do that as well. Right. Yeah. It seems like there's been a lot of effort put into this case. It's just such Mm -hmm. a strange one. Like you said, it's very bizarre. I find that also fascinating that you brought up the video of the person walking around outside her memorial, because we used to watch that video years ago and just say, wow, it looks like the, the person shooting this video thinks this is the person because they would zero (laughs) in on the feet, you know, and they were doing, and we used to talk about that a lot. So that's, thanks for going, for telling us that. That's interesting to know where it came from because that was a topic of conversation for so long. As you probably know, there's tons of Facebook groups that are dedicated to the Missy Beavers investigation and people talk about (laughs) things and that video got passed around a lot. So that's interesting. Thanks for telling us that. There was a rumor that he had, um, uh, I basically just, you know, made it to where he could do the memorial service. Um, he just happened to go to a church that I go to, the Avenue, and the Avenue has a phenomenal security team, which a lot of other churches don't have. So they offer their security team services mm. to other surrounding churches. So they just said, mm. we will allow, you know, our security team to come over and be there for the yeah. the memorial or whatever it was that we're having. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to go. But anyway, that was how it happened. And everybody was like, oh, he offered to do it. He must be the killer. You know, yeah. Well, and, and it being at Creekside, because right. that, that was the community yeah. memorial that was at Creekside Church, not her right. actual funeral, which was at Cowboy Church. Right. So the whole thing did look really suspicious but you know what he ended up being like six two or something so and the perpetrator apparently is a much shorter individual so i think that was one of the main ways they were able to eliminate him my i think i remember that agree mm-hmm. i agree i think that that's the reason that they eliminated but it, the the story i mean the case is just you know fascinated so many people um because it's so unusual and it really is and scary I mean, you're just she was there to you know do her her boot camp and um you know and then she's just uh killed have you uh, ever so, i didn't mean to interrupt you have you ever been able to go inside the church i've never gone inside that church now have you guys yeah we have oh yeah yeah i've never i've never been in there to to go back i mean you know we went initially i spent many in fact i think at one point um they had me uh, for about a month every day go to Midlothian and just sit outside the police department and wait for update uh, and continue to interview people in the community, which is very unusual for a reporter to get that kind of time. But they literally put me uh, in um, in that in that community for, for quite some time. And so I got to know a lot of the people around there and her friends. And, um, and but, you know, again, nothing really, you know, came of it. They eventually just disbanded the big group and, mm-hmm. you know, whittled it down to just a couple of investigators that are now working on it. But I, I still right. think that it's going to get solved. At some I point. do, too. Yeah, we're hopeful and we think that it's going in the right direction. It's just like you said, it's slow. And we agree with you. This is a super scary case. It's just like straight out of a horror movie. She walks oh, yeah. in and unsuspecting there's someone dressed up and, and you get killed. It's, it's everyone's forced nightmare and a woman being alone, walking into an empty building that's dark and it was dark outside it's just everything horrifying and it it really angers us to think about missy's last moments and how terrified she must have been when she realized that person was there to do her harm well and then she probably uh, and she wasn't even supposed remember i think it was raining and they were going to be outside so they moved it to the church mm-hmm. the last minute but i know that they did publicize that mm-hmm. um prior to hey if you want to come we'll move in the boot camp and I, I guess she has a had a facebook page if i remember correctly where she was updating yeah. that, but yeah. initially I think that that, that was supposed to be outdoors. So it was clearly somebody was, 
waiting for the time. I feel like they were waiting for the right time and watching um, her social she, media and watching, yeah, watching her social media, watching, watching her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but horrible, which, you know, of course you could go down a whole rabbit, you know, hole of <laughs> what happens, uh, like what the motive would have been. Right. Um, and of course there's all kinds of speculation that I won't get into. Cause I think some of it's unfair right? to exactly. the people that were, that were targeted, um, by, you know, the, some of the Facebook groups and, right. you know, people that, you know, have their names, you know, uh, smeared, uh, that didn't have anything to do with the, uh, Right, right. Yeah, we hear that a lot. We know we've we've probably done episodes on people you're referring to. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah, yeah, we definitely try to keep it. We don't. We can't control all of that, but we have our own Facebook group where we try to keep things cool. But yeah, we there's been a lot of people falsely accused, and you're exactly right. That's. And it Very never concerning. ends. It just goes on forever. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what happens is yeah. people following the case zero in on who their, you know, their perpetrator is, you know, and they won't get off of it. Let it go. Yeah. You know, and it was interesting because I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day and uh, another crime podcast and this, they had everybody in the community for like 20 years point at the finger at one person. And this guy's life was just hell for 20 years. And then they figured out that it yeah, they eventually got the DNA and it and it matched and came back to somebody completely different. Oh gosh, poor guy! And uh, and the guy, you know, even if even the and even after the police said, "Hey, we found the guy and it's not him," and they still the community still thought yes, that it was they the got guy. it wrong. They got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to you know convince people sometimes if they have their mindset on something. But I think that that's why it's important that they keep re-looking at this case and bringing in fresh eyes and fresh detectives Mm -hmm. to, you know, continue to look, because it is easy to get bogged down onto maybe one particular suspect or one particular path. And so I think it is very smart in middle of the end to, um, to sometimes bring in new new people to look at this case. And that's exactly why we chose to, uh, we do cover other cases, but our, you know, this, this case is our main case and has been for a long time. And mm-hmm. that's the reason we do this. We know they can't talk about it every day. So we feel like we can do that. We can be the ones to talk about it, you know, on a consistent basis, keep it out there where people are listening, hearing about it, um, and just hope that the right person will come along because people through the years have came forward and said, okay, you know, I want to say this and I've never said it before, but you know, course it hasn't materialized but eventually i think it'll get to that point oh yeah yeah i agree well i um uh, i'm gonna as 25 years this year at wfaa and uh i'm you know kind of getting there to the point where you know not now not anytime soon in, in a few years possibly uh retiring but i really hope that before i retire that this case is uh solved Oh, we do too yeah that would be great yeah. it'd be great for you to be able to cover that of course as well as you know uh, yeah, you know, seeing it you from know. one point to the other. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's another big case in Dallas that I've always said it has haunted my career. Uh, that I have really, it's a it's a woman who was um, killed walking down the street in Dallas, and uh, her husband was a. Uh, they owned the family owned a, a popular restaurant here in Dallas, and then she was uh, she was gunned down, and that case was never solved. And um, you know the family was very you know well and. Uh, they it, it was just such a bizarre case because that one seemed targeted to me. It seemed mm-hmm. like a hit, right? Uh, and it has never been solved. And I I will just I, I always dig on that case as well on my own and and hope that someday you know she gets justice as well. So yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so um, much for being okay. on, Rebecca. We loved having you, thank and you. maybe we can have uh, you on again you. sometime. Hopefully, it'll be when this thing's called solved. Oh my gosh, I, I would love. <laughs> That'd be to amazing. Be on that. Yes, I know. All I right. Well, so. thank you so much, Rebecca. Please let us know if there's thank anything you. we can do. We're just out here, sort of, uh, <laughs> doing the amateur podcasting version. But yeah, we would love to talk to you again sometime. And please keep in touch. Okay, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. This episode is brought to you by Page 2 Inspection Services, LLC. Specializing in foundation inspection reporting, commercial, residential, and home or mixed-use properties. They handle prompt reporting and services at the most competitive price in the structural engineering field. PAL Engineering Services also specializes in structure, structural reporting, and mechanical engineering in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, and throughout the state of Texas. They do structural inspection, track full home inspection and evaluation, foundation inspection and repair plan, modular home inspection, pest inspection, mechanical and electrical inspections, drainage plans, and retaining walls. Be sure and check them out at uh, www.page2inspections.com or www.palengineeringinc.com. The phone number to reach them at is 972-268-4140. Thank you for supporting True Crime Broads.